Feed the Trolls, where we fail and fail, but still hope to prevail. <laughs> Today we're talking about a stunning critique of our recent episodes on sexual harassment and public apologies. Yeah. As a podcast that prides itself in exploring alternative options to kind of the common discourse, there's nothing we value more than the freedom of speech and expression. So, in an effort to balance our often one-sided opinion on things, we're going to read through an, uh, an email rebuttal of uh, a couple of our recent episodes, and we're going to respond to it. But first, but first, Patreon is hopping. <laughs> I mean, we got like a new pledge or two. Uh, no, Phil Avance, he's he's still on the team, and he upped his pledge. Thanks, Thanks Phil. He upgrade. And he upgraded because we have a little Facebook page that we're trying to figure out how to use that's uh, sort of invite only to five or more dollar patrons. Right. And we're chatting on there. Also, Tom Markowski is a new patron, too. Welcome, Tom. We got a few of those dings this week, and it, like I said in the last episode, it made that, that winter depression lift a little bit. <laughs> right? That's right. You can go to patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls and check out what we're doing there. We've got a ton of exclusive episodes and of podcasts and troll talks. And as Nate said, we're also inviting all of our $5 patrons to a closed group on Facebook so we can hang, chat, share memes, joke around, comment on episodes. So if you like what we do um, and want to support us and help us have more time to make the episodes better, shoot over to Patreon and uh, consider supporting us. No big deal, um, but every little bit helps. And speaking of listeners, this whole episode this week is about someone who's listening to the show a long time and listened to the last couple episodes and they were heavily on the topics of what women experience in this world. And as two dudes talking on a podcast, we can be sort of clueless to that. And um, yeah. even if we're trying to be sympathetic, but I was going to say, Matt, we've talked about Mental health, uh, blackish, beauty right. and the beast, right. being single, um, body image, modesty. We've hit a lot of these topics kind of yeah. flippantly that cover... Yeah, stuff that we don't necessarily know about, which is, it's fun for us to learn about it, I guess. Some topics are a little bit heavier and, and obviously a lot more personal. And uh, sometimes when we can address those topics, we can be, we can have blind spots. We can miss aspects. And and then also, you know, this is a this is a podcast. It's usually just about an hour, and so there's just no way to really touch on all the aspects of a certain topic. And and kind of what we usually hope to do is to try to find a third angle or a third way of viewing a situation because these narratives are often so binary in in our social media feeds. And um, in doing so, sometimes we can kind of miss the point. I think. I think oftentimes what I would like to say in some of these responses is when people kind of get a little upset, like we, this might not be the best information to throw out there to our listeners, but you and I have, you know, five kids. Um, this isn't our full-time job. We're busy. And sometimes it's like, Hey, can you record a podcast? Yeah, I can. And then it's like, you just go with the juice. Right. And that's the thing is a lot of people listen to these podcasts and they have hours and hours to prep. They don't say anything that's outside the lines. And this podcast is kind of like, you know, it's it's a little whimsical. It's yeah. a little bit off the cuff. Yeah. And speaking of the juice, I have a cold today, but Nate has the juice, so we go. We go when Nate has the juice. We follow the, <laughs> well, we follow I edit, the juice. I edit the damn thing, <laughs> so I feel like if I have to spend five hours in post dealing with all this crap we talk about, I want right. to be excited. It's more, honestly, the excitement to edit the episode right. than it is. Like, if, like the Troll Talks... It, whatever you want to talk about, we can talk about the troll talk. Right. If I feel like if I feel like I have something to say, I'm into it. And then we just throw it out into the ether and it's like, whatever. But specific Don't Feed the Trolls episodes, I know I'm going to be listening to this crap for like six or seven hours on my couch. <laughs> and I, it, it's painful to edit if it's like, I don't know what's happening right now. I don't have the music themed up. I don't know what's going on. So... You love I the like, juice. Like people have done this before. They've hit me up on Facebook. And they're like, "Hey, can you edit this video?" And I'm like, "I didn't shoot this footage. I don't really know what I'm, what I have." Right. I don't care. So I, how am I supposed to do this? But if I know what I have, I can create it into this thing. Right. So um, all, all that to say is sometimes we go without without prepping because Nate has the juice and and has an idea of where he wants to go with it and uh, and then yeah and then I'm I'm kind of not 
not as prepped as I'd, I'd like to be. So basically, topic of the day, this episode, is about an email we received at don'temailthetrolls at gmail.com from one Amy G regarding our recent podcast on sexual harassment and public apologies. And we thought it was so thorough and good that we've decided to read it on the air, paragraph by paragraph. I think we've edited a little bit out just uh, because it's very long. Um, but we've kept the core of, of what she's saying and her the core of her critique. Um, and so we're going to respond with our thoughts and, I don't know, probably make some pathetic excuses for ourselves. But I do want to say that this email sort of cut to the core of what made me uncomfortable with those episodes. Um, I think I even mentioned in the first episode that I felt like my foot was going into my mouth a few times <laughs> when I was talking. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, I felt I kind of felt our defensiveness and I, and I felt our insecurity and I didn't really like that part. So I, 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 will, I will admit that they weren't well thought out on my part and they were kind of a shoot from the hip style. Like, as we just said, Nate likes to go when he's got the juice and sometimes hey, hey, he doesn't hey, hey. sometimes it, he doesn't let me, me bro sometimes he doesn't let me do the proper prep matt you're just blaming me you're just saying that i'm wearing the scantily clad dress <laughs> and it's my fault i'm victim shaming yeah um so yeah so i will I'll, I'll just say that off the top like we can ramble off topic and and uh and sometimes we get into the sticky wicket <laughs> no, let's just let's just put this out there, Matt. We are two band guys. We're not psychologists. Right, right. We're not, you know, Harvard grads. We don't, and we do believe I mean? in we just kind have... of speaking our minds. And even yeah. if we're wrong, that's okay. I, I yeah, think that's okay. Yeah. And we're bred from the bad Christian podcast. So yeah. Those guys just just free flow whatever comes out of those heads. guys get so much more wrong than us. <laughs> sure. But so that's all to preface the fact that this email was really convicting and really good. And we felt because we're about this freedom of expression and speech and we're okay with being wrong, we're going to make ourselves be wrong in public uh, by reading this email. So, Nate, would you like to start at the top? Yeah, since it's my fault, I'm going to start (laughs) this email. But I'm going to do my best to read this. Maybe I'll throw some themed music underneath every time we're reading this email. So you can kind of just differentiate when she's talking. And when we're just responding. Right. I'm not sure how I'm going to differentiate the email, but obviously here it is. Hi, I apologize that this is length- lengthy since it was uh, two emails in one, but I really felt like I needed to write you in what I hope is a respectful way. Again, I wrote this a few weeks ago in response to your sexual harassment episode. Recently, I listened to your latest episode on sexual harassment, and while there's a lot in there that I really appreciated, uh, it didn't sit right with me. So I listened to it again, and I want to try to say in the most kind and loving way, you really missed the point. Again, I don't mean to be critical of you personally. I really, really want this to come across the right way, though I'm sure my tone might not sound like it in parts of this email. I really do mean well. I know this is a difficult topic to speak about because it is such a sensitive one, and I really applaud you for taking it on. You had some great thoughts and approaches, asking your wives for their experiences, listening to it with sensitivity, etc., and you said in your episode, feminism needs men in order to change, which is kind of why I felt so compelled to write you. Since you both are males and you have a media platform with a following, you have people that are eating up what you say. And what you say is important and has impact on the world. Both times I listened, the tone I came away with was that women seem to be taking what is sexual harassment too far sometimes. The main thing you seem to focus on was that a guy can't even ask a woman out these days without being accused of sexual harassment. You start with a story about taking a couple of your guy friends on tour that were attractive and girls went crazy and asked him out. Well, obviously, I was not there and cannot see the behavior. This does not sound like harassment. Women asking an attractive man out isn't harassment. Just as later on in the podcast, you talk about how ridiculous it is that a man asking a woman out can be considered harassment. That's because it isn't. Sexual harassment is bullying or coercion of a sexual nature or unwelcome or inappropriate promise of rewards in exchange for sexual favors. It's not, will you go out with me? No, thank you. Okay, have a nice day. 
Sexual harassment is harassment, not taking no for an answer, making the other person severely uncomfortable, worrying about their physical safety, perhaps unable to have full autonomy over the situation because of power dynamic. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So we'll break there and we'll try to hit some responses on that first couple of paragraphs. Like really quickly up, up top, I'll, I'll say... I think we did focus a little too much on the on the definition of sexual harassment being unwelcome advances because we thought, well, if that's just clearly in the definition, then how do you know an advance is unwelcome unless you advance, right? So I think we went a little too far down that rabbit trail, but you can comment. I think what's difficult in our culture today is that you have extreme left and extreme right. And you and I try to talk from sort of a middle ground perspective because... Like we've said in the past, we've had all these experiences where we grew up conservative and then we got thrown into this like band world, which tends to be extremely liberal. And we fought on both sides. I've been backstage and had other bands arguing with us like, you guys are a Christian band? And we're like, "Uh, not really. You guys don't believe in gays? And we're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? We didn't say anything about that. We're just trying to get a sandwich at the, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like we've been blasted before. Gays don't exist. (laughs) I don't believe what? in gay. I mean, just stuff like that. Like it just comes out like, oh, we're this covert Christian band, and suddenly we're right. just, we're anti everything. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, she said, you know, you brought these guys on tour. The reason I brought that up is like, like, no, I had my friends on tour, and women were pulling them and and, and telling them, take me to the hotel and do me now, kind of thing. And they were saying and, no, and they were like, no, no, and it's like a guy, so he he's flattered. That man, right. this w- woman wants me, but it's like if this was a reverse situation, right? Where if a guy was dragging a girl, okay, come on, let's go. And I've seen guys do this, right? I, I, I'm just saying that I think what's frustrating for men sometimes, especially the good guys, because I think that you and I are good guys. I think we struggle, but I think a lot of our life we've seen women choose these bad types of dudes, and it's frustrating because it's like sometimes the bad guy gets the attention and you grow up in this system and you try to do the right things and you're just confused as a good guy in this day and age like wait what is going on right now and so that's why I brought up that story to the in the beginning of the podcast because I feel like sometimes the response is women are they're not doing anything wrong ever and I and I go well I I, I don't think that's the best way to look at it on the other hand you know like obviously Men are the problem. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm operating under this that men are the problem. We get that men are the problem. You, you know what I mean? You, right. you and I understand this. It's but not trying, like we're. It, it, uh, yeah, I just. This is what this is what the narrative is. It's men are the problem, and no women are the problem. And that's the two binary choices, and that's why we we're trying to go. Well, you know, let's try to take a nuanced approach. But the nuanced approach doesn't feel that good when there's an actual realistic victim and abuser situation where it is a binary right it actually is a binary and so we were kind of stepping outside of that binary dynamic and going what is the cultural implications of any one side winning out like women are women are it's women are the problem they're liars whatever that's a bad situation but if it's all men are the problem that's a bad situation too because then and the pendulum swings the other way and a lot of people I talked to my wife about this she's like well maybe maybe it's a good thing if a few good men have to go down <laughs> and I was like whoa yeah, is that really yeah. justice I mean I don't know I think there's a there's a nuanced approach and we were trying to get there but if you're reading it through the lens of an actual victim and abuser situation there is no totally. nuanced approach there is an abuser he is bad there is a victim that person needs to be heard, respected, listened to, and injustice needs to be served. You and I just don't, we just don't have those experiences. We don't know what it's like to be afraid all the time as a woman. We, we're speaking from this understanding that like, hey, we're good guys. Where, who are these bad guys? Who, where are they coming from? And we're a little clueless to that. I don't know. I think it's in everybody. Uh, oh, you know, sure I'm coming from the stance that this, that... I would like to address the problem in everybody. I don't like the binary of good guys and bad guys. I think that's that's bad. I think good guys can, 
can be influenced by a number of different reasons to do bad things. And I think vice versa too. So I would like to focus on what are the motivations and how can we address our culture in a way that stops this type of stuff from happening. And when, when I'm focusing on male motivation, yes, I'm not focusing on the victims and hearing their stories. And I think that is maybe one of the, one of the critiques is that you're just talking about the poor men who are abusers here. And I can totally, I can understand that critique. Um, but I, I'm looking at as a, as a guy who's concerned about justice. And if I saw any man doing this to any woman, I would physically assault him. And so I'm trying to figure out how to fix it from a male perspective. And, and that's yeah. all really what we have. So, all right, let's go on and read the next part. Okay. I assume you've read a handful of the hashtag MeToo stories. And I find it hard to believe that after reading some of those about women getting groped in taxi cabs, raped by people who are supposed to be their friends, told to get up on the table and spread them when asking their boss about a raise, after hearing stories about Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein, after hearing accounts from Gretchen Carlson and Ellen Powell, I think her name is, this is what you choose to focus on. If you're reading stories of how thousands of women's careers have been ruined, about how they change their day-to-day routines to try to minimize harassment, about how they are raped and abused, about how widespread, disgusting, and rampant these clear and not borderline cases are, and your thought is, quote, how might this inconvenience me or people like me, question mark, quote, that is frankly insane. And you miss the entire point. If you are prioritizing the convenience of men getting dates instead of the safety of women, you are missing the entire point. Trying to approach a girl in a bar isn't, quote, creepy stalker in 2017, end quote. I actually met my husband in a bar. You said that following your wife and asking her out could be called sexual harassment. But if she said no, you would have turned and walked away. That is in no way sexual harassment. That is respectfulness. That is giving her autonomy over her own body and life. She clearly tells you no, and you ignore that and keep trying over and over. That is when it gets to be harassment. There is no flirting slash borderline harassment. They are very different things. Flirting is reciprocal. Harassment is not. First of all, do we all go back to being like in third grade when we're reading publicly out loud, like the, the fear of reading out loud? I just feel like that's me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I've always like, you know, it's it's funny to do it in a podcast. You're like, man, well, now we have like instead of 20 classmates, we've got like a thousand or two thousand <laughs> classmates listening to us butcher <laughs> yeah. public reading. Yeah. Um, what I was specifically talking about there was like there was like a Harvard study and they say that multiple asking a girl out multiple times is considered harassment totally think that the line is it's very difficult because a lot of guys have asked their wives out multiple times to to get a date right um most tv shows most movies there's this like this theme that like you have to work hard to win the girl's attention there are creepy ways to do it and it does get it can be stalkerish right it can be what you're saying is there's more of a nuance there. I, 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 but I totally agree that like it seems like we're focusing on the wrong thing. Like we're missing the point. We totally are. You we know? totally are. <laughs> and and I I agree with that. I think that is not the point. the The point is not how how are men supposed to ask women out now that they're getting charged with sexual harassment. <laughs> and that's like that that is way off topic. And that's just um. That's like a bunny trail where we're just like thinking, what is this going to mean for future generations well, if no, culture no, no. goes I guess this I'm way? Just, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like when recording a podcast, you and I hit kind of we kind of hit the, the you know the meat and the potatoes, things that we can understand with things that we can kind of BS about. And um, I don't feel like our podcast is a good podcast to do like a full on in depth understanding of what it means to be sexually harassed or and it's impossible to do anything to write even a book a thousand page book where you're you're sharing your opinion and at the same time taking the amount of care needed to make sure that nobody's offended and you you insert all the caveats to make sure that you know yeah. you're clarifying your point. I mean you can take anything we say as as offensive and that's fine it's your prerogative but there's no way for us to really like and that's the thing is like one of our and we can read it later but one of our critiques was we did put these caveats 
in there, but they, they seem like afterthoughts and not really the point of what we were talking about. And I think you and I sort of assume too many things um, when we're talking about stuff. Like, I know you, you know me. We know each other pretty well. You know, we've got five children between the two of us. Clearly, we're not. We don't run powerful offices in New York City where we can do this to women. We don't. We are so far removed from that. Like we're wiping butts and we're trying to help with dinner and we're trying to make money on the side. And we're just in a whole different world. And that's kind of so when we talk about this stuff, we go, we read the news and we're like, what? Asking girl out sexual harassment? Damn, that's crazy. Let's talk about it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we understand that women today are dealing with some crazy shit. Well, and the stories are coming out and it's it's making you go and you and I go, oh my God. Like we knew it, we know it's bad. Right. This is, but this is bad. Duh. Like we, like, I want to say like, of course, you know, like we know it's bad, but. Right. But it's hard. Does that make for a good podcast? Just like, I don't know. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was saying is that we're, we're often, we're often trying to take an alternative perspective. And so the fact that this is evil and disgusting and bad is a major perspective. Right. Yeah. Everyone's seen that. So we're trying to look at different nuances. And I, I agree when it comes to stuff like this, we can really miss the mark because sometimes oh, yeah. trying to find some nuance is is completely missing the point. So uh, you want to read this next yeah. one? Yeah. And we missed the point. And yeah. uh, I, I will say that my eyes have been open lately before we move on to how many guys who are in power are covert. Yeah. Just recently, Matt Lauer, I mean insane stuff like it baffles me you know and i am someone who believes that that is within me too it just seems so foreign that like you would buy a sex toy a co-worker and then like write them a note about how they would need you to help them use it on them or some really creepy stuff that matt lauer did and i'm like who are these people like what is causing this and that's why i try to focus on like what is cause what is going on in their brains what is going on in our culture and that i want to address and fix it but yeah yeah it, it does seem foreign to me it's like what i mean for lack of a better metaphor it's like harry potter you know he's got the horcrux in his brain and he's also got the harry potter brain yeah and he sort of has these moments where he taps into this evil and uh you know it sounds so cheesy, but it's like, I do believe maybe, maybe some of our defensiveness is that you and I have silenced a lot of those demons. We can be sort of self-focused, like, but by no means am I saying, oh, it's going to be harder for guys to get dates. Like, it's always going to be cares? hard for guys yeah, to exactly. get dates. Exactly. It's, it's going to always be difficult. Dates, I, I, yeah, guys are, they're going to be that, that little bird dancing on the jungle floor trying to get yeah. a date. I mean, that's just, that's just biology and that will go on forever. And I yeah. don't care about guys being, I, you know, I guess we were trying to take a third approach and go, culture is changing. And while it's changing for the good in that women don't have to feel afraid anymore, they can actually, justice can be served if they share their stories. And yeah. the hashtag me too thing is really giving people a lot of courage to go, you know what, I'm going to share this, I'm going to come out. And that's super cathartic. And also justice can then be served if there are charges to be made and, and people to be brought to justice. I think that's all a great thing. But like we're always thinking about like sociologically when you take a hard stance, you know, and you start defining and we'll get into this later, you know, what exactly consent is and what exactly harassment is. And it's a binary um, either or then there's no nuance. And we're, we're always trying to find some nuanced, you know, way to look at things. And yeah, so, yeah, so that's that's where we can kind of get in trouble with this stuff. But read this one about uh, read this next one. OK. You close that women should know that women terrify men. This is a very opposite point that should be talked about in a discussion about sexual harassment. If your main concern is worrying about whether or not you can flirt with someone, you miss the entire point. Men terrify women in that women are afraid of being sexually assaulted, physically attacked, or murdered. As I mentioned above, I am afraid men will ask me out because I am afraid they will go they will get violent with me when turned down because my friends and I have experiences that validate this fear. So, yeah, that yeah. sucks. I will clarify that what I meant with women terrifying men is that I'm trying to address 
the fear because I think fear is relevant because I think fear is sort of the othering that men can do to women. They're objectified in a way. And I think that fear can turn women into objects and it can drive the obsessive sort of reactive or violent behavior. So that's what I'm trying to address is like, I'm not saying that women be less terrifying. I'm saying that men need to get over their fear of women because fear is what drives the bad behavior often. Um, Because fear is what creates the othering of women. You know, it's not either or men or women. It's like, we're all human. We should be able to understand each other. You know, if, if you can get over and acknowledge your fear of the other, be it women in this situation, that's the first step to empathy. And you're not gonna abuse or objectify someone you empathize with. So you should get over your own fear of women and stop putting them in this kind of other category. They're human beings, they're daughters, they're they're sisters. And you and I grew up with a lot of, you know, being in places like camp or whatever. There were always these rules. Um, right. And women were sort of taught for you and I that they are, you got to watch out. You can't even talk to them. Um, right, right. It's dangerous. <laughs> you'll you'll stumble. Yeah. Which so is, we. That's, yeah. It's it, that's why you see a lot of this stuff with like Roy Moore. When when company with a woman is this like forbidden thing in a culture, it it yeah. cre- it objectifies them. It's the it's the button on the wall that says do not yeah. push, and every conservative man is going to want to push it, and it's gonna it's gonna manifest in their lives in toxic ways, and so that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to address. Like, how can we not other? women how can we not objectify them in our cultures so that so that they they're not this forbidden thing that ultimately le- leads you to toxic behavior to try to get and you have you know when we grew up we had sort of billy graham at the pinnacle of evangelical christian whatever right right and, and billy graham said things like i never have a woman in my office right well he was very afraid of his <laughs> his lust then apparently yeah. So, so, so here's the deal. Yeah. So, but then he's hailed by all these Christian leaders as a true man of God, right? Because right. of because saying this stuff because he has no self control. Yeah. And so, what it leads to is a bunch of dudes underneath that in the evangelical world right. who are so terrified of women that they literally will boycott them. And then once they get a moment in the corner when they can actually pull something off, then they just go batshit crazy. Right. Right. And it's because, like you were saying, uh, men are so terrified of women. We need to destroy that. We need to break down this fear and realize that we're all human beings. They're people. They're not sexual objects to to be fantasized and obsessed about. You know, like that's and that's what I'm talking about when I when I when I talk about, you know, women terrify men. Uh, I think it starts in adolescence when men just have this, you know, hormonal impulse to women and they you know, that's where the obsession starts. And if that's not dealt with in a healthy way and an educational manner, it manifests in manhood as really toxic. But so many evangelicals would say, well, if Billy closed the door, everyone would think he's doing bad things and they would destroy his reputation. And I'm just like, so there is a fine line on the other side of like, yeah, like some random woman walks into his office. He doesn't know who she is and what her motives are. But, But then I would say... That's the problem with the the hierarchical church well, system. Right. <laughs> but, but. And she actually brings up that sort of like Mike Pence-ism in the, in the next email she writes. But I'm going to read the, the end of this one here. Okay. Again, there was plenty that you said in your episode, the sexual harassment episode, that I did agree with. There's nothing wrong with having sex with your husband when you're not really uh, feeling it. Because you know it's important to him, as long as you also have the autonomy to say no and your husband knows that's okay too. I really appreciated your stories about young girls hanging around your bands and you looked out for them when you could. I couldn't help but notice that when scrolling through the list of names of your patrons, most of them are male. Which is a large reason why I felt compelled to write you. You have influence over males, and the most important thing from all these sexual harassment stories coming to the surface, besides holding these accusers accountable, is that we can learn about it, see how prevalent it is, and prevent it from happening. Now today, I listened to your episode about public apologies. While I understand your point is one about grace and forgiveness, which I don't think it was, but maybe it came off that way, and while I do believe in those things, and I know that they are important, what is most important is the victims, and there is a time and place 
for where we are focusing our attention. I feel like the most important things we need to focus on during these times are the stories of the victims and showing the victims support. And I feel like what comes across in your two episodes is very, very different. While this is grossly oversimplified, what I got from your sexual harassment episode is that often sexual harassment is overblown and women need to relax. What I got from your public apologies episode is that we need to go easier on the abusers if they confess because it's hard to be a guy with sexual urges and hard to admit you're wrong. I understand that you sprinkled in some, I'm not saying that makes it right or I'm not saying we should blame the victims, but it seemed to me like you spent much of your time focusing on ways that we should all calm down or how people could just focus on not being sexually assaulted. Again, this is where you grossly missed the point. So yeah, I, I, I agree that sometimes our, our rambling conversations can <laughs> go the wrong direction. Totally didn't intend for us to be apologetic towards people who confess. I think it's I think she's right. I think that I think we blew it a lot of times by just randomly talking about this stuff. Public apology, I think, is a trickier one. Because what I think happened there was that, like, how many times has a woman ever made a public apology about something? I don't, I, I can't recall anything specifically what you, recently. What do you, what's your point there? That just sounds defensive. It, sound, it sounds <laughs> defensive, but I'm, what I'm saying is, like, it seems like men are the only ones ever making public apologies because they're the stuff. ones sexually harassing and, and abusing okay. people. But that's to say that men are the only ones doing things wrong enough to warrant an apology. That's not true. In the case of like sexual abuse, which is the which is the topic, yes, men are men are mostly probably ninety five percent to blame here. So that's true, and I and I think that's probably the case. That maybe that's why. What I'm saying is like a man does come out and say he's wrong. It's rare. I guess what I'm saying is that like there's there's steps in progress, right? It, it it's taken us hundreds of years to even recognize sexual harassment, right? Right. Um, the norms were, have changed, you know, yeah, dramatically. It's taken us a long time for a man just to come out publicly and say I've done something wrong, and it's like instantly people say, "Oh no, you didn't apologize to a perfect 100% standard in this in this futuristic world that we're not living right. in yet." And so we can celebrate the baby step, I guess. I'm saying we don't want to kill the movement by saying it's not a good enough apology. I don't think the right? movement's going to stop regardless if they have public apologies or not. I think men but are going to get called out. But it's at least something. And it's going to be good for everyone ultimately. Okay, look, it's worked. Men are terrified. Men in offices everywhere who've done They're anything. Shaken. Yeah. Are shaken to the core, and yeah. it's gonna, it's going to stop. So whatever the movement is, is, is great. It's great right. for women. I think that a lot of dirty scumbag dudes are worried. I'm just saying, I guess because you and I are both dudes, and we can, we can see both sides of the coin with guys like uh, Louis C.K. Right. We can read his public response and go, man, it seems pretty genuine. Yeah, right. there are moments when he justifies his own behavior, but we're doing that right now in this damn podcast too, <laughs> right? It's well, just it's human nature to, yeah. to defend yourself. I'll uh, let's read what what Amy has to say about it. Okay, so we'll continue reading the email. Um, clearly, we're uh, probably digging ourselves a deeper <laughs> hole, but that's what we do on this podcast. We don't really ever arrive. We're just on a journey. So Amy says, as for public apologies, like many things, there are good ones and there are bad ones. You did focus on the, quote, are they just saying this because they got caught aspect? Which is why I think most people aren't so eager to accept these apologies. For example, if your wife came to you and said she is cheating on you and she is terribly sorry, you might be more prone to forgive her than if she told you the same after you walked in on her with another man. Definitely. That's true. true. Okay. Yeah. It's about whether or not you actually mean it, because like you said, the apology will not actually do anything, although a private one to a victim might actually do something, because while it will not take 
back the abuse. I can't read. It might add to the healing of the victim in the right time and place, but that is not for the public and public apologies to decide. For example, I think that Jesse Lacey's apology was actually a decent apology. He apologized, noted that he had a problem that he's known about for years, and stated that he has been actively working on his problem for some time. However, I did not criticize the people who do not immediately forgive him or need to write off his ban forever. Just because someone apologizes does not mean that you have to forgive them right away. This does not mean his apology was not respectful. Mm -hmm. I believe that Louis C.K.'s was something else, however. I think that much of the backlash is that Louis C.K. posed himself as an ally to women. And he, was, uh, he has a famous bit about how it's crazy that men are the greatest threat to women, but women still go out with him. He spent years making abusers the butt of his jokes, but now people are seeing that he was using himself and his self-deprecating humor. The thing about Louis C.K.'s apology is that he spent his career letting people know that he knows better. And once he gets caught, he didn't realize it was wrong because the women admired him so much. Uh, I think the problem is his apology feels so flimsy in light of his decades of work and his decades of calculated abuse. He knew better. He built his career off talking about knowing better, all while he was abusing women. And while he does admit it, it's understandable why people are acting out against it. This is where I found myself most perplexed about your stance and why it seemed to me that you were focusing too much on how this is making men feel. You stated that apologies do nothing, but then turn around and say, if we keep criticizing men from coming forward and admit that they abuse someone after being accused, how can we expect more men to admit their wrongdoings? Frankly, why do we care if men publicly apologize? Why are we focusing so much on the feelings of the abusers? The whole reason these women have kept silent for decades is because these men had so much influence over them that they feared that the public would care more about the abusers than the victims. We need to rally behind the victims. We need to listen to them. And while yes, we should care about forgiveness and grace, we do not have to give it the second they apologize. Totally agree. I think yeah. that was dead on. As far as like, I don't care about a man apologizing. I don't, to me, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, yeah, you yeah. know, because guys get away with it by denying, at least by admitting and apologizing, justice can be served in some form. My, my, my point was Louis C.K. admitted to a crime and he can be charged based on his own personal testimony for a crime. Yeah. So, so justice in some way, as far as our justice system is concerned, that can be done because so often it can't because you deny, 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 and then you win a, a court battle and then you never have, justice is never served. You never even have to consider, you know, the people that, that you've wronged. Yeah. And so an apology at least considers that and allows for justice to run its course. And that's why I was saying that's better, but I don't really care whether or not, like, you know, nail them all to the wall if we can, but I think it's better if, if we can get them to confess and that, that justice is given an opportunity to be served. That's all I'm saying. I, I think when I read that, I'm thinking of years of my life of every single situation I've ever been where someone's done something wrong. Right. 99 times out of 100, people lie and they deny it. And they say that it doesn't matter what it is. From elementary school, someone stealing a kid's pencil all right. the way up to being backstage at the House of Blues and someone rips off all of our stuff and, and nobody knows who it was. Right. Like never in my life have I experienced somebody coming forward and saying, I did it, I'm sorry. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen anywhere in life. Men, women, whether it's a pencil or thousands of dollars of stuff. So when I see a guy take time publicly to say, yeah, it's true, I did it. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Like He actually said he did this? And then to nitpick it to me is frustrating. I, this is one of those things in the email I just can't well, come off of. I well, just think, I think, wow, the guy actually at least owned up to it. 99 times out of 100, nobody will own up to it. Right, I, but that, but is that the thing that you really should focus on? you really just praising the guy for owning no, up to I'm it? No, I'm when, not praising his actions. I'm just saying, victim, wow, like it, that's a turning point. I think we live in a culture where focus, 
is value, right? Attention is value. I mean, you see it likes on your Instagram post or anything like that. So when people see us focusing on, on the novelty of someone actually admitting to a crime, which historically they should never admit to if they want to get away with it. If we're focusing on that, we're sort of attributing a a social currency to that, a value to that. And I understand that critique because I think it's horseshit. Well, I still think apology is horseshit. Right. Well, I know. Yeah. But it, but in our, but what I'm saying is like, because we're not focusing on the victims, we're not, we're not giving them the attention, them, the social currency and the value we're valuing the abuser. And that I think is the most cutting critique, but it also says something about our culture and what we attribute as value. You know, you just can't talk about certain things because that's essentially promoting those people. You know, I can't talk about bad people because then you're promoting bad people. It's like you, you can't talk about, you know, I don't know. So I, I just think it's it's important to to acknowledge that one, we you should focus on the victims. It's not about the abusers. We do not want to celebrate anybody who is a criminal uh, who sexually abuses people. Um, yeah. But on the totally. other hand, when 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 can you talk about certain things? And do we have an, a, a critique to make about? what our society values as far as what is worth something um, in our culture. I think the problem is this. I wasn't, I was saying, okay, look, let's, let's dig open this bag of bad news in here. Okay. We're talking about a bag of bad news. Oh, there's a hundred pieces of bad news in here. All right. I get that. Like we're not focused on the abused because in that specific part of the topic, we were talking about public apologies. So yeah, if the topic was, let's talk about, the abused, then that would have been the title of the podcast. And we would have talked about that. I was specifically talking about in this bag of garbage, there's, there's a little bit of hope. Let's talk about that. So I would, that was the subject to me. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not dismissing the abused. I'm just saying, look, the the subject is a public apology. That's getting overlooked, right? To some extent, what you talk about is what you think about and what you think about reveals something about your character, right? So there is a there can be a judgment made if 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 all we want to do is talk about the men who are stuck being men and trying to navigate the world and we're not talking about the women who are victims, then yeah, that does say that does at least project some sort of sense of our focus on the issue. And and even oh, though yeah. we're we're always looking for a nuance or some different way to look at it than everyone else is looking at it, in this sense, maybe that's not wise i i'm, I'm yeah it, it's probably not it. wise it's yeah. not wise of us to talk flippantly public apologies i guess sure. it's just in my mind it was like okay it's hot topic like everything else in the podcast it's been hot topics the beauty and the beast movie uh police brutality sure um standing rock or whatever it's just like you know something pops up in the news and we talk about it and, right. and we don't we don't do a great great job ever <laughs> yeah we don't that's been and our it, standard it's just like hey what do you think <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of think we'll ramble until we make some sense. And there are two different types of podcasts. There are people out there that talk daily on radio shows that have... You get the experts, NPR. We are kind of a mix or at least um, a variety show. And sometimes we're very serious and sometimes we're not. I think that that can also give off the wrong message. Like when we do these kind of off the cuff, you know, hey, I'm feeling the juice. I'm going to record this. No prep. Then... And people come in sort of expecting some sort of prepped, really well thought out thing. You know, they can be a little misled. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't want to downplay it. I'm just saying, you know, like sometimes like we're going to say stuff and it's like, what the hell? But I think maybe part of my response to this and then we can move on after this is that we've had two or three years of Bill Cosby shit. Right. And 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 look what Bill Cosby has done. He's he's just gotten more lawyers and he's just gone after all of them. He's tried to defame every single person who comes out. right? Right. And I was just like. Finally, you know, at least one of these assholes says something that helps move this forward. Yeah, we were responding more to the outrage of people who, like, were mad that someone admitted it. Yes. And and we were kind of saying, hey, a third way to think about this is look at Bill Cosby. You want him to be like Bill Cosby? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Bill Cosby has not had to face one consequence for his actions because he denies it. Right. And now, you know, Louis C.K. might have a whole whirlwind of problems because he just said he did it. Yeah. Um, so I think... So justice has a chance in that sense, yeah. Well, maybe, right. my, maybe my thing is that, like you, like you say, there are light and dark in both of us. And I want to say... Cosby chose the wrong path. Cosby seems to be choosing the wrong path so much more than the right path. He, It's almost right. like you get to a point where there's just 
there's no coming back to the normal road. It's just right. we're going to drive down this dirt road yeah, forever. You've chosen evil. You also said that you need to make common sense practices in order for this to not happen to victims, which I think Nate was more talking about, not me, but... Oh, come on. Well, yes, I do believe in some safety practices, like making sure you keep your drinks with you at all times, only going on first dates with strangers in public places, etc. Although, if you don't do these things and get assaulted, you are still not at fault. True. There are many things you get at that are not as simple as you are making them. You know that these women should not have gone to Louis C.K.'s hotel room. But as I'm sure you know, when you are not working in a traditional workspace, hotel rooms often become offices. And in industries that have historically been good old boys clubs, like film or comedy, the Mike Pence rules can cut out women from important networking opportunities. It is not outlandish that these women assumed they were going to his hotel room to talk business without being assaulted, just as many men do in order to advance their careers as well, because he is a powerful man who could help their careers. And I I actually even mentioned this in the episode, just to comment on that part. In response to the don't go to hotel rooms thing, I, I said, when it is someone higher up the food chain in your career, turning down the opportunity to network could have implications. I mentioned something about maybe they thought if they turned him down, they, they wouldn't get invited out on his next tour or something like that. So there was a power dynamic that did, they weren't necessarily consenting to the, the idea of a sexual advance, that it was a different sort of career power dynamic where they thought, if we get into this networking situation that's more intimate, we're more likely to succeed. And that's, that's the difference. Yeah, I think that's Billy. That's that's some Billy Graham shit right there. Right, I get it. Right. I get it. I understand it. I also just I just have never been invited to a hotel room myself. <laughs> so, or if I have, maybe once or twice, I kind of knew like ah, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Just don't, don't show know. your dick to people like ever. Sure, sure, yeah. totally. Like I that's get the, that. that's the easy answer. It's like doesn't matter if. You know, it doesn't matter if some guy invites you up to his hotel room, if he whips his dick out and you didn't ask for it, and then you would like to leave and he doesn't let you, that's yeah. that's abuse, you know? And you definitely just... <laughs> Definitely. Like definitely you're right. Abusive. That's that's yeah. the bigger that's the bigger issue here is like I I'm the kind of person and then I have to preface this that I I think I think about life as a chess game often. Like I think about the moves I need to make to get to the thing I want to do. Right. Like, but that's what these women are thinking. They're thinking, oh, if we turn this down, then we're not going to get in Louis's new show. But if we go up to his hotel room, there's two of us. So we're not alone. So we're, we're safe. And then we go up there and we just hang out and like have a few beers and like really yeah. bro down. He's going to be like, hey, you guys, I'm shooting this show or this movie next year. Would you want to be a part of it? And they're yeah. thinking this is good for our career. And why why shouldn't they yeah. think that? They're, okay, it's, the double thing the thing. double thing's true. The true. I mean, I think that's true. I think I think when there's two or three people going into a room together, you think, oh, this is no big deal. Right. And it gets re- yeah. That's so you can't guard against anything like that. I'm just saying, what can we guard against, and what can we like sort of think in our minds beforehand? I, I, that's all I'm saying is like I, I don't trust people very much ever. <laughs> I'm always looking behind my back. I feel like I'm always on guard myself as a man. Just like, I don't trust people. Sometimes I go, wow, people are so trusting. And it that's my response. Immediately, it's like, I can't believe people trust people. Like, that's right. crazy. My personality is always right. looking out. I'm always looking over my shoulder. And very rarely do I expect something positive right. to happen. So that informs my response there. But yeah, Louis C.K. blew it. Terrible, terrible shit that he did. Right. Especially to girls he's not even flirting with at all. It's just randomly it goes from like business to dick hey, out. You want to see me jerk off? Yeah. yeah, like that is that's that's some mental that health sort of issues. Behavior is not. Yeah, I'm glad that behavior's out because there's a lot of guys who are thinking they might want to do that. Maybe. Yeah. And maybe that's a bad idea now. If you're thinking that's that's kind of your fetish, maybe that's stopping some people from doing that, which is good. Yeah. Uh, she goes on to say, you also say that if you dress provocatively, it might solicit the wrong messages to someone. Uh, I didn't say that, but okay. 
However, I'm sure you know that how you dress is not consent. Uh, I think I mentioned something actually in it, uh, in the episode about how if you dress like a zombie, you don't get force fed flesh because, oh, don't you want to eat brains? You're a zombie. I mentioned that. So I'm not, I don't think we have to really talk about that one. She does go on to say enthusiastic consent is necessary. If you don't have enthusiastic consent and both ways, you are crossing a line. If someone is intimidated or is threatened, they are not consenting, agreed. If someone is too drunk, they are not consenting. What is that? What is too drunk? It's not uh, as complicated as people make it. Um, if you believe you are getting confused, if an action is consensual, it is as simple as asking. If we keep acting as though consent is so confusing, instead of educating people about how it doesn't need to be, we aren't going to get anywhere and this will keep happening. She said it's as simple as asking, and I agree with that in principle, but if you don't have enthusiastic consent in both ways, you are crossing a line. I just don't know, like, what is the def definition? Because we can start crossing lines, or people can perceive crossing lines. Like I said this, as far as um, consent goes, if verbally asking is the only way, and enthusiastic is the term that she used, is the only way to consent, I'll say 90% of mutually enjoyed marital sex is unconsensual, for one. You what? Well, I'm just saying, like, it's not, ver I don't go to my wife and say, hey, would you like to enjoy my penis inside of you today? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get consent, you know? Yeah. It just sort of happens. And um, I guess it is enthusiastic when it's reciprocated, right? That would be, yeah. that would, but how do you, I mean, that's one person's perspective over the other, right? So that's like not as easy. Because that could be interpreted, basically it gets interpreted by default by the person who is claiming to be victimized. But then there's other times where like even in sleep and like the middle of the night, not saying this has happened to me multiple times or anything, but people in a dream state are not really consenting. But then they wake up in the morning with a smile saying kind of, did we just, did that happen? And yeah. to define that as rape because it wasn't enthusiastic consent isn't correct. But in a world where consent is defined strictly as mandatory compelled speech, like you have to get this law agreement. And if not, you know, any one of the participants, should they become motivated by nefarious feelings or resentfulness or who knows, they could press charges and kind of be telling the truth that no consent was given, even though, you know, it wasn't verbal or, or something like that. Or and, and both people actually did consent. They could say it wasn't expressly given or it wasn't enthusiastically yeah. given and you could absolutely ruin the reputation of the other person and i don't think that's the, the kind of world that anyone wants to live in because now we're pitting all these people against each other or there, there's just the potential for this victimhood i don't know there's something about that that i know i'm treading on i'm walking on thin ice a little bit i, I realize that i realize you could take my words a bunch of different ways you know that i'm worried about the wrong things that I'm not worried about protecting victims and that if you make consent mandatory and express and even written and verbal that ultimately victims will be protected from um, occasional problems that occur. I get that. But at the same time, you turn it into this contractual agreement that most of the time people don't follow. I mean, we're, we're biological human beings motivated with hormones and two consenting adults often don't use their verbal or left brain when they're, you know, about to get it on. So I don't know. I just feel like yeah, it, gets no, a totally, it, it oversimplifies totally. the whole dance yeah. uh, a little bit. Yeah. You, you, you know, you kill the vibe when you talk about things all the time, you know, like. I get um, it. Maybe you've got to kill the you, vibe so that people are protected, you, I guess. You and I have had so many experiences with even the person we've chose to marry where we've killed the vibe by saying something stupid. You know, you're you're on a great date, something happens and you say something stupid, the vibe is dead. The rest of the night isn't what you anticipated it to be. Right. You wake up the next morning and all is forgiven, but right. you and I understand that like the way we operate with our wife is a lot of nonverbal cues daily. And we can't just go, "Honey, it is approximately 8:45 p.m. Would you like <laughs> to have intercourse with me now?" You know what I mean? If we say that, right? And who it's knows? Just, and who knows if that? But it, but with this simple definition of consent, you know, say say down the road your relationship falls apart and your wife uh, wants to get a divorce from you, she could technically go back and say there was all this unconsensual sex and he raped me and use yeah, that as a yeah. political ploy. 
because it's defined as this simple express enthusiastic consent that's both both ways or whatever. And so one person could construe that if you start defining it without all the nuances of human experience, nonverbal, hormonal, like why do we have to turn into this black and white contract? Maybe to protect victims, but what are we giving up and what are we potentially, what new problems are we potentially uh, bringing into the situation where you can eventually have innocent people who were actually having consensual sex be charged because they didn't follow this, this rule or this law. Yeah. Maybe what you're saying is like, oftentimes we think to ourselves, oh man, if only the government passed gun laws, if only the government passed a law, if only it was illegal to do XYZ for a company X, XYZ, the world would be better. And sometimes I say to my friends, no, vote with your dollars, man. Quit supporting those jackass companies. You know what I'm saying? Like, There's so many companies out there that we support every day that abuse people. And it, is, it might not be sexual abuse, but it's abuse. They're killing people. They're poisoning people, whatever. And we go about our days thinking it's the government's or someone else's just passed this law. And I think that sometimes it's, it's not perceived as our problem. So men, yeah, it's our responsibility as men to stand up when women are being abused. Definitely. We need right. to yell out, stop it. Don't do that to her. That's not cool. We are just as much the problem that we're calling out because we don't realize that we can affect change. We we don't realize that making small decisions can can really impact this world that we're in. Right now, you you know, I've got two boys I'm raising. The best way that I can show them to respect and love women is to do that to my wife and right. other women in my life. I can't tell them, you got to... Read Proverbs fifteen five and stay away from the horse house. You know what I mean? I, I that's not going to work. It's right. just it's not going to work. And we are a generation of men that said, you know, the way to deal with lust, the de- the way to deal with temptation is just to salute the American flag and say the Pledge of Allegiance ten times when you have an erection. And that does not work. It doesn't work. And I think we're experiencing a lot of. This push down, push down, push down, and then now sudden, oh yeah, of course it's this explosion underneath the surface because we've been pushing it down forever. And I think what you're trying to say is the more the nuanced of, of coming out and saying, look, it, it's complicated, but men shouldn't be afraid of this whole thing. Right. Because of our polarized climate, we just have people on either side. And if you try to, I think a lot of times if you try to take a nuanced view, the people are so quick to see that as you're an apologist for oppressors. And, you know, maybe in some sense, we do need to examine where we are sort of identifying with the men a little bit more than we are with the with the victims in this case, because because we're men. Right. But we don't want to apologize for them ever. Right. That's not what we're trying to do. And and but at the same time, in, in a culture that's so polarized, it's very easy just to put people in categories. And, and we're always trying to take a nuanced view and, and try to find a third way to look at something. And so. Um, I think we're going to put ourselves in a line of fire occasionally, and I think that's what we did definitely in, in these last two podcasts. Yeah, we definitely blew up. <laughs> we definitely, like, it's so hard. My voice is kind of giving out. You want to read the last, last, the last yeah. part? Yeah. These two shows make me feel like you heard the tone of what women are saying, but you did not actually listen to these women. These are life-shattering occurrences. Extremely common occurrences. Women drop out of careers, withdraw from family and friends, and cannot feel safe in their own bodies when these things happen to them. And I want to be clear that I also know men can suffer this abuse as well. This is also disgusting and in no way justified. And we must listen and believe male victims of sexual violence too. My main point is we need to be very careful about how we talk about this. And, uh, course we read this at the end of the podcast because uh people are listening some of those people are victims and some are abusers some of these people might not even be able to realize that they are abusers themselves it's quite possible that victims or abusers listen to your podcast we need to listen to and validate the victims because when we criticize the victims we keep more victims in the dark One in four women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime this is an astronomical statistic there are far more abusers out there There are more women that hear all the criticism out there, even within all the support, and feel the need to keep silent. If your focus isn't on supporting the victims during the time, you've missed the entire point. I hope I was able to uh, keep you through this whole email. Clearly, you kept us. 
So we talked about it the whole time. I hope you understand if the tone of this email was harsh. You don't need to write back or anything. You don't need to do an entire four-hour podcast on it. I understand. <laughs> I don't want you to feel attacked or that you have to defend yourself. I know this is a difficult topic we talk about. I trust that you are good people and mean well. I realize that this email is critical of your thoughts, and I'm also aware that you can be critical of mine. This is just a subject that is so heavy and so important to me that I couldn't keep quiet. There is much at stake. I really do enjoy your podcast, and I hope to hear more in the future. Thank you, Amy, for writing this. I just want to say that, like, uh, I appreciate it. I think you're right. I think that as two men, when we talk about being black, we we totally drop the ball. Two men talking about body image, we totally drop the ball. Two men talking about mental health without mental health issues, we drop the ball. Two men talking about Indians at Standing Rock that are white guys, we just, we don't get it, right? We just don't get it and we're trying to get it and we're trying to just throw out our experiences and say well what what about this what about that right yeah and we're totally okay with being wrong saying the wrong thing and having people call us out for that and we appreciate and respect differing viewpoints especially critical ones because that's how we grow as people and so we wanted to honor your critique it was long it was well thought out and it was accurate um, I did throw a few counterpoints back at you, but for the most part, I just want to say that I agree with you that, you know, we did miss the point. If we are going to talk about this topic, we should really be talking about the oppressed yeah, group yeah, in this situation sure, and not sure. talking about the, the oppressors and, and f- taking the focus off the victims. So agree with you. I think that there's a lot more work that could be done in this area. Um, I think we're on the same team. I think that we both want this to stop. Whatever is causing this, we should examine. And we're definitely only able to accurately examine it from the male perspective and the way that it feels to be a man. And so we're, we're trying to tackle it from this angle. But we, we definitely feel like allies in the goal of making sure that women feel safe and that are not harassed or abused and that they don't have to feel ashamed or 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 hiding those uh, situations anymore. I, I mean, that's ultimately the goal is that this all comes to light and everyone is better for it. Definitely. I think this has changed my opinion a lot lately, the last couple of years right. of some of the hardcore uh, thoughts and beliefs I had growing up. Most people probably would listen to the Billy Graham stance of he doesn't have a woman in his office is like a great thing. Right. I've updated my thoughts on that, right? And now we're older and we're frustrated because it's like we missed out on s- so many great conversations and so that comes out in a lot of our opinions. I just want to say that. Like, that comes out just years of pushing all this down. So when we get on the podcast and people are like, oh, man, we, we, we tend to be a little bit more like, gosh, sucks to be a guy, doesn't it? And the girls are like, oh, yeah. my God. Are you guys, <laughs> you guys are the stupidest men ever. And it's like, yeah, yeah we are. But that's where we're coming from, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's all we have is our perspective. But we could learn some empathy and we could um, not have so many blind spots when it comes to these issues. There are real, actual victims. This is not a nuance when when someone's actually assaulted. There is no third way to look at these types of things. So, If you're a guy out there and you're kind of like quick to defend men, then we've blown it, right? If you're quick to defend men, then then we've blown it on this podcast. Yeah. Try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Yeah, Matt, yeah. You, you and I try to, and it's really and we hard We fail to. and we fail and we fail, but we hope someday to prevail. <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to end it. So thank you, Amy, again for writing this in. Sorry, like, I think our podcast is mostly just whatever comes into our heads. Matt t- tends to, to try to plan and prep more, and yeah. I... I, I tend to believe I'm not a psychologist, so I, I can't. You I can't can read le- facts. You can at least write your thoughts. 
<laughs> but they come. They come naturally. I want. I. I I'm. I. I don't. You believe. don't believe in prep. I get it. I know. No, I believe in prep. I don't believe. Like this is like the friendship episode. I just want spon- spontaneous truth to come out. I don't. Yeah. I don't want it to feel forced. I don't. I don't want to write a love well, letter and hand with it that over. Will and, come yeah. spontaneous bullshit too. I mean, that's yes. the risk that you take, but uh, we'll take it, I guess. Well, that's what I'm trying to apologize for is that half of this podcast is spontaneous bullshit. And uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Matt's about to die. Thank you for listening to Don't Feed the Trolls. I'm about to die, so we're going to go. Email us at don't email the trolls at gmail.com. Tell us how wrong we are. Um, and until next time, be good, my friends. With a long-